Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 7 on when Noah went into the ark and the decisions that he, his wife, sons, and sons' daughters made in going into the ark. Now, we want to encourage you to download this message today at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Download or listen to all the messages from Friendship with God and Tom Cantor for free at our website, again, friendshipwithgod.org. And also, you can download the iTunes podcast of Friendship with God and get all the messages free on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, Passover will soon be here as well as Easter. And Tom Cantor has incredible teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. We want to encourage you to pick up this teaching on the Passover to give to any Christian or to a Jewish unbeliever at Passover time to help them see the truth and evidence of the scriptures in who the Messiah really is. Now, if you've never really studied the Passover and the importance of someone having their own personal lamb and the Jewish customs behind the Haggadah, we want you to pick up the personal relevance of the Passover from Tom Cantor. This teaching is yours and available for a gift of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. We'll send this to you. So call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for being here present with us, Lord, as we gather together in your name. We open the Word of God this morning, and we open our hearts to you, Lord. So we pray, teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Genesis, Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7, verse 7, please follow along. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his son's wife with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was of forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both the fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man." All in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was dry land died. Every living sort was destroyed that was upon the face of the ground, both male, man, and cattle, and creeping things, and the fowls of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark, and the waters prevailed upon the earth 
150 days in chapter 8. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from the heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually after the, and after the end of the 150 days the waters were abated. The ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. And the tenth month, uh, the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. came to pass after forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made. And he sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up off the earth. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her unto him unto the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. All right, so here we come. We're in verse 7 here, back in chapter 7. And this is the time. The time has finally arrived. Noah has been preparing this for this day for 120 years, and now it's come. And he walks into the ark. He goes into the ark. And as he goes up into the door of the ark, in essence, he's saying goodbye to the world. He's not even looking back. In essence, he's saying, you can take the world. Just give me Jesus. And he's proved by his going into the ark that he was not attached to the world. Noah had done everything he could up until this point to get the world to follow him into the ark, to get the world saved. He did everything. But they made their decision. He made his decision. And without even turning back, he just walks up that ramp, we can imagine, into the door of the ark and says goodbye. And we saw last week how when God said to Noah, come thou into the ark, that God was in the ark and he was inviting Noah to come join him in the ark. Doesn't that make you think of death as a believer? That that death looks very, very scary, looks scary to a believer. But really, it's like Noah going into the ark walking into the ark there where the where noah is saying goodbye to the world and hello to the savior and that's what death is that's what that's what this is a picture of it's what stephen when he died in in acts 7 55 through 56 it says there but he being full of the holy ghost looked up steadfastly unto heaven and saw the glory of god and jesus standing on the right hand of god and said And Stephen said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So thank God he gave us that eyewitness account, because then we know. And so, in essence, what Noah can say as he's going into the ark, he can say, I see the door of the ark opened, and I I see the Savior standing inside to welcome me. It's a wonderful picture. Now, in verse 7, there is a sense, as we've read these chapters here, there is a sense that Noah is alone. We know Noah's not alone. There is Noah's wife and his sons and his sons' wives. 
By the way, they never give the name of the sons' wives. You know, I don't know. I feel kind of bad for them, you know, because everybody else has got a name, but they're just the wives of the sons. Oh, what can you do? All right, so anyway, uh, but Noah is, in a, in a very sense, when you read these things, it says, Noah built the ark. Now, we don't really think that Noah built this ark single-handedly. He had help, but it talks about it that way. Noah did this, Noah did that. And so this picture of Noah building the ark alone, so to speak, that we have here is purposeful when it's given that way because it emphasizes Noah doing these things sort of alone. And that's a very interesting picture because in Leviticus 16, there's a description of the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest goes And what's remarkable about the description of the high priest on the Day of Atonement is how he is described in Leviticus 16, 17, where it says, And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made atonement for himself and for his household and for all the congregation of Israel. So this aloneness, this doing this work aloneness is emphasized. And Noah working alone on the ark is emphasized as it brings to light the aloneness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what it speaks of and what Peter's emphasizing about the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Peter 2.24 is his aloneness in the work when it says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So we get this impression as we read about Noah working seemingly alone on this. And we read in verse 7 that not only Noah, but it was his wife and his son's wives and sons that went in. But when we think how that's written there in verse 7 is very, very interesting because what it emphasizes to us is that each one of them, because they're stated like that, each one of them, in addition to Noah, had to make their own decision. Each one had to make their own decision. And we can imagine Noah saying to his wife, saying to his sons, saying to his sons' wives, what Paul said to Timothy. When Paul told Timothy, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3.10, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience. See, that's what Paul said to Timothy. And before, in verse 7, as the time was nearing for them to enter into the ark, we can imagine one of those family scenes in which they're all together there, and Noah, his sons, his wife's sons, his wife, are all there. And we can imagine Noah addressing his wife and addressing his sons and his sons' wives and saying, the time is coming to enter into the ark. Now, each one of you have fully known my doctrine, what I believe, my manner of life, my purpose, the goal of my life, my faith, who I believe into, my long-suffering, my love, my charity, my patience. And the decision now to enter the ark is 
individually yours. No one else's. And then we can imagine Noah going one by one to the group and he turns to his wife and he turns to Shem and he turns to Ham and he turns to Japheth and he turns to each one of their wives. And as he does, he said, how about you? How about you? What is your decision? Are you going to enter the ark? And each one had to say yes. Each one had to say yes. And that was momentous. And so to memorialize the importance of each one's decision here, the members of Noah's household that each made their own decision are called out in verse 7 as they enter into the ark. They all went in for one reason, and that reason was they were not rebellious. They were not rebellious. And there are two words that also tell us why his family went into the ark. And those are the words in verse 7. They went in with him. They went in with Noah. See, that goes back to Noah saying, you know my doctrine. You know my manner of life. You know my purpose. You know my love. You know my long-suffering and patience. And in essence, that when they said, he said, yes, we have fully known your doctrine, your manner of life, your purpose, your faith, etc. And as a matter of fact, it is your doctrine, your manner of life, purpose, and so forth, that has led us individually to make this decision. Noah, you have led us by your life. You have led us by your life example. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's available for free, signing up with your email by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. You can also call us now or after the program with your support and donation at 800 247 3051-800-247-3051. It'll help us to continue airing on this station in your city. You can also call us for a free gift for a lost Jewish friend that you know that needs to be reached with the gospel. Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries will give you a free gift to reach your lost Jewish friend, and that's made available by your donations and your support, but we'll provide that free if you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel. Call us at 800-247-3051. That's why Noah is an example to us of a godly father. He's an example to us of a godly mentor of others because those under him willingly made their decision to go with him. Did they understand all the details? No more than Noah understood all the details of what was going to happen. But Noah trusted God. Noah led them to trust God. They trusted Noah. And that's why they went into the ark. So Noah, when we consider this about Noah and his family and the sterling example that we have here, we can't help but see the importance of what happened when we look at the stark contrast of Lot and his family. Quite the opposite happened with Lot and his family. Because what we read about in Genesis 19.14 is when Lot was called to say goodbye to Sodom, and his family was called by him to say goodbye to Sodom and go follow God, just like Noah 
entering the ark. It says in Genesis 19, 14, Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws. Lot had, had he only had daughters. Part of his problem, but anyway, he had daughters, and so he had sons-in-law, and he speaks to them and says, "Which married his daughters?" And he says, "Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city." Then it says this, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-laws. In other words, they said, "You can't be serious." They they looked at him and they said. Lot, we're not going. Maybe they said something that we fully have known. Your doctrine, your manner of life, Lot, and um, we're not going. And so it says in Genesis 19, 15 through 16, that when the morning arose, about Lot, that the angels hastened Lot. They had to push Lot. There's nothing written in this account about angels having to push Noah to get onto the ark. But there is about them having to push Lot. And they said to him, they are saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. So in other words, what the angels were saying to him was that if you let the attachment to those who want to stay cause you to hold back and linger back, you'll be destroyed. And that's what they're saying. And then it says in verse 16 of Genesis 19, and while he lingered, in other words, Lot wasn't sure. Lot said there, said, well, wait a minute, let me, I've got some second thoughts about this. I've got a little bit of hesitation. Let me think about that. That's lingering. And so while Lot lingered, the men who were the angels laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful. So they pulled him out. They pushed him out and they pulled him out of uh, Sodom. And it says, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And so it says in Genesis 19, 15 through 16, that when the morning arose, about Lot, that the angels hastened Lot. They had to push Lot. There's nothing written in this account about angels having to push Noah to get onto the ark. But there is about them having to push Lot. This is so different from Noah. Lot was not like Noah. Because when Noah was called to enter into the ark, there was no tragic comment in Noah's life about he lingered and had to think about it. It was not a good thing for Lot to linger. The world was still inside of Lot. The world was not inside Noah. Therefore, Lot lingered. Noah did not linger. He had second thoughts, Lot. And as far as his wife goes, that's tragic. In Genesis 19 to 24, 26, it says, The Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of cities that was upon the ground. Verse 26 of Genesis 19. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. That look back was not a look of curiosity. I wonder what's happening. That was a longing look. That was a, oh, look, I miss, I yearn for. Maybe I should not have gone. Look, I've been pushed out. I've been pulled out. And when that happened, then she tragic. He lost his wife. Now, 
We come in, in Genesis 7 through 7, back to Genesis 7, and we see in verses 8 and 9 that the animals went into Noah. Now, how did Noah assemble all those animals? I'll tell you. I don't know. But animals do strange things before a storm. You know, we all remember seeing or hearing about in Indonesia before the tsunami came how animals would go. They just left. They, it's, they have an instinct. They went up to higher ground. They just started going. So maybe there is an impulse of nature, but all the animals came. And in verse 17, it said that when they all came into the ark, it says, God shut the door of the ark. Noah was not asked, and Noah did not, uh, consequently, shut the door of the ark. That was not Noah's responsibility. God didn't ask him to do that. God did it. That was very symbolic when it says that in verse 17, God shut him in. Why was that symbolic? Because God determined the time when salvation opportunity was over, when it was past. And that's like it says in Hebrews 9, 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment. When you read that verse, the first question that comes to you is, who determines that appointment? It is appointed unto man once to die. Who makes that appointment? And obviously, God alone makes that appointment, right? And so the question is, who appointed the time when the door of the ark would be closed? God did. God alone. So the closing of the door of the ark was a statement. It was appointed unto man once for the door of the ark to be closed, and after that, the judgment. That's why we preach our heart out to the lost. Because we know that once that door is closed in an individual's death, it won't get opened again. They won't see it opened again. And once that door of the ark was closed for the lost, they would never see that door opened again. So we can imagine when that happened, the awful cries that Noah must have heard from inside the ark, cries like, Noah, Noah, it's me. I'm Ben. Remember me, Noah? I'm your foreman. We worked together. You were in my house. I was in your house, Noah. You were over at my home. Open the door of the ark. Let me in. It's your friend. But Noah couldn't. Noah could not. Because God appointed the time for the door to be shut, and God shut the door of the ark. And about the only thing Noah could do when he was listening to those horrible cries from inside the ark, is just he could sit there and it'd be horrible. I mean, can you imagine? And he would sit there and he would say, to keep his sanity, he would say to us, Ben, oh yeah, I remember Ben. I warned Ben. And that's what he would say. I told Ben, Ben, I found grace in the eyes of the Lord, so can you. Because there's room for you. I invited Ben to come into the ark. And Ben said, no, I don't have Ben's blood on my hands. And that's what he could say. And Noah could say the same words that the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 17, 4, when he said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Noah not only finished the work of the ark, but he finished the work of preaching the gospel to his generation. The good news, you can come unto the ark. And we speak to our lost friends about the Lord Jesus Christ because we know one day, 
the door of the ark for them is going to be closed in death. And we don't want to be guilty. We, don't want, we want to be able to sit down like Noah did and be able to say, I don't have that man's blood on my hands. Another great day of Bible teaching here with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. We want to encourage you to pray for our upcoming summer blitz campaign to reach lost Jewish people around the U.S. in 17 different cities. This is our fourth year of doing this, and we want you to be a part of it with prayer, but also to help us to reach lost Jewish people. If you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel, you can sign up for a free gift to send to a lost Jewish person at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org to have a gift sent directly to them or to have one sent to you to give to them. You can also donate to support Jewish evangelism and getting gospel gifts sent to Jewish people through our Summer Blitz and also through our website and supporting this program. You can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Help continue this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism going. Again, donate online at friendshipwithgod.org or calling us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. We also want to encourage you as Passover is approaching that Tom Cantor has outstanding teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover from Exodus chapter 12 and Isaiah 53. And it's all from the view and perspective of a Jewish born-again saved Christian and from the Old Testament. It's tremendous teaching on the passion of the Passover lamb for the Jewish people and Jesus Christ for us today. And it's a great gift to give to any Christian at Easter time, and especially for a Jewish person searching for the truth and evidence of who the Messiah is at Passover time. So please call us now and get the personal relevance of the Passover teaching from Tom Cantor. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll get this to you. 800-247-3051. Your donation will help support this Bible teaching radio program. Stay on the air. So give us a call for the personal relevance of the Passover at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.